Happy New Year. Today's episode is a bit of a journey down memory lane. So if you haven't listened to episode five of the Rodeo Adventure Labs podcast, I suggest you give that a listen. Um, But today we have Connor on the line. Uh, Last time we talked to him, he was gearing up for Break the Bicycle. Uh, And then if you listen to that episode, I think it went off uh, in reality a little bit different than how we outlined it in the episode due to the wildfires in California. Uh, but Connor and Damon made it happen. Uh, they even managed a pit stop at the lab and, uh, we wanted to hear from Connor and get his take on, on how the, the ride went day in, day out. Um, hear his thoughts. Uh, I know you're planning on over, over a thousand miles and I think you got pretty darn close to that. So, um, we just kind of wanted to bring you back in, uh, hear how it went, talk about what's going on. Uh, Today's a pretty wild day in, <laughs> in the world, um, so maybe we'll touch on that as well. But uh, yeah, we just really enjoyed uh, talking to Connor, and um, I think it's important to kind of hear those stories and, and continue to, to make those small changes. Um, every little bit of, of uh, hearing other people's perspectives in the cycling world or in the skiing world, I think is really important. Um, so those consistent actions in the right direction will add up over time. So I think it was, it was really nice to hear your story, Connor. So wanted to hear, you know, wanted to hear some more. Um, yeah, Steve, do you have any words? Uh, well, no, I mean, you said we're all back together, but Connor, where are you? <laughs> yeah. How am I talking? What's up guys? I'm in, I believe this is called mountain home. Idaho. I'm at a truck stop in my van at the moment, uh, en route to Mount Bachelor in Oregon uh, to chase a chase a storm up that way and ski some powder. Nice. I used to live in Washington State. I can claim Mount Bachelor twice. I've been there twice. <laughs> it's pretty lame nice. by any skiing standards, but that's cool. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, so we're recording this. Um, while uh, a bunch of people uh, have stormed the Capitol, and uh, Nick and I were like, "What are we doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why is the world so terrible sometimes?" Um, and we're like, "Should we just reschedule this?" But we've rescheduled this a couple times, uh, and then Nick had a really good point, which was like, "No, if people are out there being crazy, we can do good stuff and put good stuff out into the world." and he set me right with that statement. Like, you know what? Yeah, I want to do this. Uh, I want to catch up with you. I want to hear about good things that are happening and a good story that happened. And if people want to go the absurd somewhere else, um, that's just not going to stop us. So, um, crazy times. How are you feeling? Yeah. I mean, I'm on the same page. It's kind of funny right before this, I was on a meeting, uh, with a ski brand and my role there is kind of bringing in like, you know, my, my perspective as an indigenous athlete and bringing in the diversity, equity, inclusion side of things to their brand. And the thing that was kind of troubling me as we did it was like, are we not going to address what's happening in the middle of this meeting? And we didn't. And at the same time, I was like, you know what, actually, I'm okay with that because like, that's those people's reality that they're that upset about online conspiracy theories that they stormed the Capitol. Um, and the reality for the rest of us is like, we have like good work to do and we've been working hard at it for a while. So why should we stop doing the things we're passionate about and doing these things that make a positive impact for everybody? Uh, because a few people are being dumbasses. Uh, it's kind of like, the opposite of when I was in school and I had to go in the hall so the rest of the class could learn. Uh, right now I'm just like not paying attention to the kids in the hall. <laughs> like that. Ignore the kids in the hall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, I, I'm still figuring out, uh, everything that's happening with 
social justice, inclusion, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't think I'll ever have it fully figured out. But I was trying to boil it down, especially when it, uh, we can thankfully say, started last year at this point. It's no longer this year. It was last year. Do we all have mm-hmm. 2020 in our rearview mirror hoping for better stuff? But when it started and I was trying to figure out, like, well, what are we supposed to do? I kept coming back to, like, I can only try and be positive about this. And there are a number of, like, r- people who are angry and feeling negative and have a different take than I do. But in terms of like, who can I be? I've only ever been able to double down on, I need to find a positive creative outlet for the angst and the things that I'm feeling. And then what, whatever rodeo ends up doing, uh, I want it to be something that's built and constructed instead of something that tears things down. So, um, I like that you're kind of like, we got to still go do our thing while those people are out there in the hall doing their thing. Um, and you know, on some level I can write it all off. It's like, Oh, we're just doing bikes. None of this is important, but, uh, people are important. Uh, people are important, like down to a one-on-one level. People are important. Uh, and I'll bank, I'll go to bank on that. So I'm glad we get to, uh, catch up with you by the way, before we get too far, I have to shout out. I, I wonder if you've met, uh, these people and actually you're on video so you can see this card they sent. Uh, can you see this? I can't see you guys. You can't? Apparently. You can't see video? No. Oh, shoot. Well, no. I'm going to turn it on. And can you see yeah, me now? Okay. There you go, bud. <laughs> see this, this card? Oh, nice. Yeah. So these guys are from Silver Stallion Bicycle and Coffee Works. Um, I believe that's New Mexico. And, yeah. uh and uh, they sent us some coffee, and I think uh, I kind of met them just a tiny bit on Instagram um, because we kind of heard about uh, this situation that happened in Chicago with a guy. They're getting shot, and so we kind of contributed to his GoFundMe. Uh, there's a, is a really interesting story there. But anyway, they said hi, and then out of the blue, they said thanks and sent this card. And I was like, oh, that's super cool. I'm like... I'm excited to meet more indigenous people. And this was like a totally unscripted hello. So I got to follow up and, and say hi to them and send them a note and a thank you. But um, I'm like, I like that. The circle is expanding a little by a little of cool people. That, did you run it? Have you ever run into this crew? No, I don't think I have, but I, I've maybe heard of them. I mean, we biked through New Mexico on our adjusted route. And one thing that we found was that was one of the places where the community of indigenous people uh getting onto bikes and creating mutual aid to get each other onto bikes was like pretty strong it has there. some so, momentum that's cool yeah yeah it would make sense that there's uh you know more folks down there doing that that i haven't met yet but cool. that's awesome to see um well yeah bicyclecoffee.org is them but um yeah i'm just curious what the network looks like who knows who so all right um yeah that was my my rabbit trail. Sorry about that, but I just <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I have this on my keyboard until I answer the postcard. That's my way of making sure I don't forget about something. So it's as I look at you on Skype, I'm looking at this postcard on my keyboard, and I'm like, I need nice. to make this connection. So yeah, yeah. Um, crazy day uh, wrapping wrapping our heads around it. But I guess uh, Connor, you alluded to a little bit um, as as did I in the intro of uh of the of the break the bicycle ride and and how it kind of went a little bit different than than planned um you know it wasn't it wasn't in california and you kind of just alluded that you ended up in new mexico so i was kind of curious like you know i what happened you know kind of like here curious to uh, to hear your take of you know how the ride went you know from adjusting the route to you know the last time we talked you know, your biggest ride was 50 miles and I think you <laughs> went well beyond that and crushed that. So just kind of like, what was it like, you know, um, riding your bike day in, day out? Um, just kind of curious to hear your take. And the route. Yeah. yeah the route. Right. Cause it went from California and I think the fires were just starting. Were we talking about that? Yeah. We were like, what well, are you going to do? We kind of had like waves. Yeah. And we were like during like the first bad wave of fires is when we were talking about it. And you guys were like, rightfully skeptical and i was uh you know blissfully optimistic (laughs) um yeah and then they kind of died down and so we were like okay this might be good to go uh and so we you know the ride was back on and we were gonna go for it and they they started 
uh, Damon and a group of guys started in in Washington at uh, I'm trying to remember whatever the northmost town in Washington is because we weren't able to start in Vancouver due to the border closure due to the pandemic because 2020. Um, but yeah, so they made it as far as Central Oregon, which is where I was supposed to link up with them, and that's when things got like full on apocalyptic red skies for the whole West coast level of bad. And that was when we were like, okay, like there's no way we can, we can do this as is. And so I went out there and I rescued Damon, if you will, uh, in my van and picked him up. And we, we went to salt Lake to regroup because that was kind of the one place at the time in the West where things weren't too bad. Uh, cause the fires had also been bad in Colorado as I was leaving from home. so I was like, Oh, I'm going to get out of the fires. And he was like, no, this is also on fire. Uh, so we ended up in salt Lake for a couple days and, uh, did our, did our reconfiguring and rerouting there and, um, did a couple rides there. We got to get a ride in with Rob Lee who had rode across the country and climbed Everest and swam the English channel the year before to raise awareness about women's equality in sport. Um, and so we kind of got some pointers from him on a cross country ride and, and reconfigured our idea of what to do from there. Uh, and so we, we moved things over and we changed the route from starting on the wind river reservation, uh, in Wyoming uh, and going down to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And that was kind of our, our new route uh, across Wyoming, down and across Colorado, through New Mexico and those mountains, and, and down to Albuquerque, which was uh, not quite as many miles as our original route, but a lot more vertical gain. So I, I didn't end up making my 1,000-mile uh, goal. I think I got like 940 or 960 something miles, uh, but I, I well exceeded the amount of vertical gain I would have would have gotten riding along the coast. So I, I kind of let myself slide on that goal and still still consider that box pretty much checked. And yeah, we, I think you check that box. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> close enough. That's a lot of miles. Uh, yeah. How long did that take, uh, start to finish, from when you started to the to your finish? Let me think. Um, I think it was 15 days. I'd have to look to remember exactly, but I want to say it was 14 or 15 days. So just a little over. Yeah. uh, Yeah. A little over two weeks, I think. Uh, We had maybe one day stopped in the middle uh, where I had had to handle some things when we were home. I had to get an IV, um, so we didn't ride that day. So I think it, it probably took 16 total and one day we didn't ride. So yeah. Wyoming. I've driven across Wyoming and, uh, almost got blown off the road. How do you ride across Wyoming? Is the wind like, was it blasting on you or were you fine? I mean, yes. And like our timing was pretty good. Okay. Um, so like, yes, it was windy, but Wyoming can be so much worse. So, for like as miserable as it was, we were also kind of stoked and the, and the wind wasn't our greatest, uh, challenge. I, I think our biggest thing was, as you said, coming into it, uh, the furthest I'd ridden was about like 50, 60 miles. I think, um, I, I think 50 miles was the furthest I'd ridden before the ride. We rode 60 when we were in Salt Lake and park city with Rod Lee, um, And then the first three days of this ride were 80, 80 and 110. And so that kind of, that to me, like it didn't like, it felt like the wind was my, in my face, even when it was in my, at my back because of just like that sheer shock of ramping up the mileage like that. And like, welcome to just all you do is bike now (laughs) all day. That's it. Um, so yeah, I mean, the wind is bad, and, like, for a lot of Wyoming, the, like, it starts really beautifully where we were out on the Wind River Reservation, and we were welcomed by those folks, and it was really awesome. They brought out their drummers and tribal council and all them, and they sent us off in a real good way. 
And that first day of riding was beautiful. And then uh, the second and third days of riding through Wyoming were the the part of it where it's just like sparse and barren and the only things that you see are like you know you could either have like oil stuff or like wind farm but that's about it for for scenery man so yeah i mean that one of the many novelties of this ride was you're not out doing crazy long rides all the time like this is this is like another sport for you but your main sport is skiing backcountry skiing like and you pick this thing up your longest ride was what 60 i think yeah well 60 or 50 yeah and then straight to depending on whether you count the ride in in utah as a part of this or not (laughs) counts on so i mean i heard of people riding themselves into shape but like is that true? Does that happen? Or do you just get more and more tired? Like 80, 80, 110, that's pretty brutal. I don't know if you ride yourself into shape, but you certainly ride your ass into leather. Um, (laughs) And that was really the thing for me was like, just getting used to like being in the saddle that long was like, holy shit. Um, But I, I think like, I was in shape for it in a way um, because I, I trained faster. Like when I rode 50 miles previously, like I'd ride like 40 or 50, like three or four times a week. And I do it quite a bit faster um, than what you end up doing when you're riding 80 or a hundred miles a day. So it, it was kind of more learning the skill of like riding uh, with someone else and using that to your advantage and learning to like spread a similar level of effort over a longer duration of time. Um, so it wasn't as much that it like kicked my ass, like cardiovascularly so much as it was like the mental and strategic side of trying to like adjust to it. Like there was not a whole lot of times where I was like, okay, like I'm dead. I can't pedal another hill. It was more like, the hard part was learning to, you know, like how many times do I eat? What do I eat and when, and like, you know, how long should you stop and stretch for before you kind of lose your momentum? And, you know, what do you eat at night? Like, do you eat like 6,000 calories at dinner or do you try to, you know, spread it out throughout the day? Like that, that part of it was kind of the trickiest part to figure out at first. Cause your system's just kind of in shock. Like the first few days of doing that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to be cliche, but I guess I would, I have a word in mind. So I guess of like describing your your trip in in one word. But I guess I'm kind of curious, like if you had one word, what would it be? And if you want me to go first, I can, but not to put you on the spot. Um, well, I think like I don't know if I would if I would categorize it like in one word to. Like, like for me, the one word I would use is community because that's what we really ended up like building along the way or like brotherhood or something like that. But as far as like the physical side of it, yeah, I mean, I, I'd imagine there's, <laughs> there's like better words to describe that part. But I think that's part of the joy of it was like by the end, like the suffering of it was kind of overshadowed by by the triumph but yeah for those first few days that that wouldn't have been the word i used yeah <laughs> so i'd love to hear what, what your thoughts are. <laughs> I, I i guess maybe in a similar vein or maybe i can spin it in a similar way i was thinking grit um just because if you can if you can get through that and still find the positive um a i mean just kind of being thrown in um to just like a multi like big multi-day efforts um where you're you know your body's taking a toll um, you're trying to replenish calories. Um, I, I think that like grit has an impact of like, why are you doing this? And then you kind of alluded to like community. Like if you have the grit to kind of realize like, Oh, I'm, I'm riding and it's more than just like my physical effort. I'm trying to, I'm trying to raise awareness for mental health or something like there's like, there's a way to like dig down for something else or like have that grit. And then I think like we didn't like, I guess spoiler alert, like you had a pretty big spill. 
um, and kind of like busted open your chin. How could you take that from him? I'm sorry, but like that's the grit. Like you know, like you put you put your own pain aside, right? Like and you're like, I'm doing this for for a higher purpose, like you know, and that's and and that's why I'm doing it. And maybe like the grit then translates into community. I don't know. I I I love well, I love the meaning uh, the community part because. Um, just going out and doing something arbitrary and big for no reason at all is kind of meaningless. Uh, and at least for me, if I went and did something like that just for myself, it would be kind of selfish and meaningless because it's just a solitary experience. But you say community and I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I'd love to hear about that. Like, cause you weren't just doing it to see if you could ride a thousand miles. What were you doing, uh, on the ride? Yeah. I mean, so the, the purpose of the ride was to, raise awareness and raise funds for black and indigenous men's uh, mental health. And so it was kind of twofold in that, you know, we were trying to use our action to draw attention to an issue that we felt was overlooked. Um, and at the same time to give people a way to act on that, which was to, you know, donate to the GoFundMe and that GoFundMe fundraiser, uh, you know, was to create grants to create mental health programs in black and indigenous communities that are led by black and indigenous men. And, uh, that was really particularly important to us because it's really why Damon started this and why I bought in so much is that like community and being able to talk about these things together is maybe more important for indigenous men and black men in particular um because our issues aren't served very well i don't think like by a lot of the traditional framing of, of mental health uh there's just so much that's beyond our control that affects our mental health and this summer in particular was quite the example of that like to have to deal with the just constant awareness of an insidious threat that is inherent to the place that you live. That's always kind of after you, um, you know, it, it affects you every day and it affected us on our ride. I, I can remember a time riding through a small town in Wyoming and, uh, we pull up to the edge of town and the cop puts his lights on and, pulls over and we've got the van stopped there for for um us to you know get some food and refuel and whatever and, and he stops and just asks us what we're doing and at the time it's just damon and i riding shirtless uh through wyoming and you know we're we're kind of imposing he's a former nba player he's six nine six ten and uh i'm six five and you know i, I don't imagine they see two you know dark-skinned big dudes on the edge of town on bicycles very often and so well, he clearly stopped clearly and, trouble i mean clearly yeah clearly right and that was that was our joke about it we're like yeah we're gonna ride into town on our bicycles and take all your jobs and women on the way out like what do you think we're gonna do <laughs> like we're on bicycles man but he felt the need to stop and check in on us and like even in that moment of him seeming sort of friendly like we could tell he didn't really trust us and so we ride, we stop and we eat lunch. And then as we ride out of this little town, we realize he waited for us on the other side of town to make sure we did leave. Wow. And it was just like that constant thing of like, shouldn't we be free to just like ride our bicycles or, you know, like riding through Wyoming for me, like the bigger threat than being blown off the road by the wind was this constant thing of us getting buzzed by you know giant f-250s with the american flags or the trump flags streaming out the back and giving us you know six inches of space on the shoulder and it's just like oh, man that's horrifying i can yeah, relate and, to that <laughs> right and so like i think a lot of cyclists can relate to that and so then like imagine that turned up a notch yeah by you know it was 80 degrees and 90 degrees and so we'd ride with our shirts off and two melanated people out there like we didn't make it easy on ourselves in that way but at the same time like we wanted to own that like we were cool with riding with our shirts off and being who we are but the fact that there's like an inherent threat 
at all times and being who you are uh, as a black person or as an indigenous person in America, like that really speaks to the unique side of our mental health needs. And that was the coolest thing about it for me and why it became such a community thing was having that opportunity then as other riders joined along the way to get to talk about these things and how that affects us. And, you know, to talk to our friend Harold, who's a ultra marathoner and experiences things like that in his realm. And to talk to our friend Maurice, when we're down in New Mexico about, you know, how he experiences that living in New Mexico, where there's so many indigenous people and there's a really unique way that indigenous culture is, you know, ingrained in that place. But at the same time, like, you know, facing unique challenges all the time and those commonalities really like just having space for us to be able to talk about it you know maybe did more for us than any like you know self-help book or you know hour that you have to pay for with some professional could ever do for us was just like man like i face it all the time and it sucks and like (laughs) i just want to ride my bike i just want to go for a run i just want to go skiing And to have somebody else who's just, like, experiencing that at the same time, but then is also choosing to do the difficult thing of, like, and I'm still going for that ride. And, in fact, like, I want all of us to ride through the edge of town on Albuquerque, you know, where there's, you know, people with the Trump flags in their yard and whatever. And to feel the power of being like, okay, you know, we we finished out and there was a, a group of us all riding together and it felt a lot less intimidating to drive past that sign that makes you feel unwelcome in the country you're indigenous to, you know, you feel a lot less intimidated by that when there's six other dudes who are native next to you on your bicycles. And you're like, okay, you know what? Like there's an authority that we get in being together and there's an authority that we get in facing obstacles and challenges together And I think getting to, like, cultivate that energy of, like, we're not in this alone uh, carries you through the moments that are difficult in a different sort of way and carries you when you are alone in a different sort of way to remember, like, okay, like, in this moment, I might be the only one facing this, you know, here presently, but I'm not. Like, it's, it's happening on so many other levels. And, you know, the more that we bring awareness and talk about that within our communities, and then have opportunities to share like this with people who are our friends and allies, like it grows our ability to create awareness and create positive change. And I think like that makes the the grit and the difficulty and the like what you're fighting through all that, you know, crazy circumstances for so much more worth it uh, to know like it, it's going somewhere and it's making progress and it's, you know, because it's the same way as one of those rides. When you're riding a hundred and something miles through an endless landscape of brownness in uh, Wyoming, it, it sometimes doesn't feel like you're going anywhere. There's no mountain that you're pulling in in the distance, you know. But you are making progress in the midst of that grind, where it may or may not feel that way. And so I think like that, the the whole ride kind of had that energy of like you grind and you grind and you grind and eventually you're somewhere entirely different. And I think it's a, a really awesome analogy for, you know, how we have an opportunity to overcome these challenges in this time. Well said. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, there's no point at which I want to stop this. Uh, (laughs) you were rolling. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that I was relating to there was the uh, how hard it is to start something. Like we rode uh, this really long road ride on Sunday morning uh, just to try and blow the cobwebs out and feel like we were doing something exceptional to start the year. And I remember yeah. like the first five or ten blocks or five miles, I was by myself. And it was really cold, and it just felt like this I'm never going anywhere. I mean, I'm never going to get there because we're trying to ride 150 miles. Um, and, uh-huh. here, and here I am like three miles, five miles. And it doesn't, it just feels like the number's too big. We're going to be doing this forever. But I remember later in the ride at like 120 something. And I was like, man, like we have gone so unfathomably far and there's just absolutely no way we are not going to make it to 150. Hold on just a second. That, that phone. Yeah, and like 
the starting is the hard part and then the middle is is good but then when you feel like you've built that momentum and and you're unstoppable is like such a powerful moment on a ride but then you're doing something much bigger than a ride it's it's got more purpose to it um so it's, it's cool to hear how that evolved from from point a to point b um right yeah like when you can walk away at the end of something like that with a group of guys you know who are facing challenges every day and they've gotten a big dose of unstoppable to take with them yeah like that's really what it's all about i kind of yeah i just felt like i wanted to do it again i'm very tired still this is many days later but i kind of feel like yeah. i want to try 200 like <laughs> you know like right. you are emboldened <laughs> by what you've accomplished to keep going which is not right. an intentional segue but we did talk, you and I talked on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and you talked about, like, what you want to take. And I'm not done, like, it's not like I'm done talking about this ride. But in terms of momentum, you have ideas and inspiration from this about more that you want to do. I'm curious, like, where do you take it? Um, like, where do you want to go next? And I'm, and I'm curious, like, what will it take? What kind of support do you guys need? Like, where did it, how to get your imaginations going? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it it got us realizing that, you know, obviously 2020 maybe isn't the best year to to <laughs> do a ride of that nature um, and that we could do it so much better under different circumstances. And it really inspired us to realize, like, OK, this needs to be more than just one GoFundMe. And so the evolution is for it to become a 501c3 of its own and be a nonprofit organization, uh, break the bicycle that can host a big ride like this every year, which can be kind of the feeder to a lot of smaller satellite rides, because we think it's something that's really replicatable in a lot of different places. Um, and, and it's just something Damon and I realized, like we obviously can't do every single one ourselves, but this format really works. Uh, and so that's really our goal is that next year, you know, we, we got emboldened, as you said, and next year our goal is to ride across the country in the other direction of what we tried, uh, this year. So to ride from West to East, um, and hopefully we'll be going from Kamloops, British Columbia to New York city. Uh, that's the goal, obviously, uh, you know, we've got to see where the pandemic situation and things like that are when the time comes. But that's what we're working towards and using that big ride kind of as a way uh, for the main riders who do that to kind of train them up to create something they can recreate uh, on a smaller scale in our communities, which is then, you know, if we can get groups of young black and indigenous men from our communities to get out even for you know, four, five, seven-day rides as opposed to a month going across the country uh, that we can have this this impact kind of over and over of empowering folks and, and getting them to see, you know, what they're capable of at the same time that they're talking about their challenges. Um, because I think that was kind of one of the most powerful things is like if at the same time that you're struggling with something on a physical level, you talk about and you process what you're struggling with on another you know deeper maybe more emotional or spiritual level uh i think it kind of tends to act as a catalyst in that way and for me sports have always been that way when i was running track in high school uh i i used you know running in that way to process what i was going through i've used backcountry skiing in that way for years to kind of you know climb those mountains within myself and explore those places within myself that I needed to figure out um, at the same time that I was literally climbing mountains and exploring. And uh, I think bikes are maybe the most accessible way to do that. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it's easier to, to get folks, more people know how to ride a bike. You know what I mean? It's like a thing. And I think more people are interested in, in seeing the land that way and having that kind of experience. And so I think it's something that will be accessible and be a way for men to get out together and talk about their issues and see that they can overcome things. Um, and when that happens alongside of, you know, processing the 
challenges in your life that are outside of your control as opposed to just, you know, electing to do something hard. Uh, I think it serves as a nice gateway for being like, okay, if I can do this, then I can get over that next hill, uh, you know, within myself as well. And so that's really the goal is that we keep building this organization out and it, it becomes something that uh, can come to a lot of different reservations and inner cities and wherever it's needed uh, to, to empower men in particular to address these mental health issues and get over the stigma of talking about, you know, mental health and trauma and all these things. So we're, we're really excited to see where that leads. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it left you guys really invigorated, you know, from let's do this one, one ride and it's got to go fund me to let's, let's roll out this, you know, vision and, and, and start the nonprofit. And, and I think that's kind of like, that's the power of like, yeah, like the community or the shared experience, you know, or even Steven like relating it to like, you know, our ride on Sunday of like, you're by yourself and you're like, how can I do this? You know, but like, as soon as you're like, okay, you clicked in and, and then all of a sudden you linked up with, you know, some, some of your friends and now you're like, well, can I go bigger? Can we do 200? You know? And it's just like, it's the same scales, right? It's like, it's that shared experience. And it's like, a I don't know. I mean, at least for me, I find like riding a bike to kind of be, that's my time of processing, you know, like that's even when I am with friends, you know, then I'm processing with friends. But when I'm by myself, like that's, it's a moment of like, what just happened today? You know, like I probably need a bike ride today to figure out what happened today. But, uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's that moment of like, okay, yeah, stuff happened and I can think about it. And if I'm with friends, I can talk about it and we can kind of, you know, and, and just, just like the act of it, you're like, you're sitting side by side. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, you're, you could be riding side by side with two people on a bicycle. Right. And you're both moving in the same forward direction. And so if you're talking about something, you're probably processing something and you're like literally physically making progress, right? You're moving through something. And so if there is like a blockage, you know, if you're hung up on like what happened at, you know, at your keyboard while at work that day or, you know, maybe Connor, what, you know, you're, you're, you're shredding, you know, some sick line, you know, skiing, like, you know, cause you're, you're living the ultimate life, you know, in, and here's Steven and I are <laughs> chained to our keyboards, um, you know, but stuff still happens and you still need to process it. And I think like there's a very powerful part of the bicycle that is like you're literally moving over physical space towards something new and you can move beyond something, you know. And I think I think that's why it's actually like a really nice vehicle for for discussing mental health. Yeah, absolutely. I was amazed totally. on, on Sunday, uh, there was a particular part of the ride when we were heading south and on a ride that long, it's all straight lines, as you know, right? Like you just, yeah. the road is impossibly forever straight and like even a turn is exciting. So it's kind of like that sometimes on Sunday and, uh, and you and I, Nick, like we finally got like the segment where we rode together for, I don't even know how long it was, like a half hour ish. And the other guys had gone ahead uh, and we, we rode and just talk, talk, talk. And then at the end of it, I was like, wow, we just really covered a ton of distance. And you were like, yeah, that's what happens when you just got some good conversation, <laughs> which is, is yeah. another really good metaphor for life and working through some of these things is like, if you have somebody to talk it through with or collaborate on, uh, you know, dealing, processing, the distance is, is passed much better than it is, you know, by yourself, much quicker. You get lost in the, in the progress. And that's, that was super fun. That was a great epiphany moment on that ride. I just yeah. couldn't believe that it was, that we had, the straightaway was just so long and I was like, it's over. <laughs> how did we do it? So yeah. uh, you probably had some of that. Uh, how, do, how do you pass that much time? 960 yeah, well, something miles. Yeah, I really like what you said there in the middle of that, which is like you get lost in the progress. And I think like that's a beautiful way to put it. And I think that's like how it became for Damon and I um, was like there's so much coming up in each present moment, whether it's like the day that you got to stop and fix something, whether it's like, you know, rerouting, whatever it is, like there's sometimes the challenges are so big that in the space of like getting over the mountain, you don't realize like how many miles it took at the same time. And I think like, that's kind of like the beauty of it um, is that you go so far 
kind of fixated in the present moment and you're like just in the present moment and the present moment is just like one thing but somehow that one moment becomes a whole day that goes by and those conversations are like a huge vehicle for that where it's like you finally realize something you know about yourself via the vehicle of you know hearing your friend talking about something they're realizing about themselves and like that process becomes so captivating and you're so in that that like the fact that you're pedaling the fact that clouds and trees and all the things are going by like it kind of ceases to be the thing and i think the the bicycle is kind of just like that that metaphor for that where it's just like you're just turning and turning and turning and turning in some way like you're somewhere else entirely and yeah, I think I think that was like kind of the magic of it for us was that like it never really felt like like I can't tell you like anywhere one specific place where it's like that was the aha moment. That's where we turned the corner like it kind of just all happens little by little and moment by moment and the next thing you know you're like holy crap dude we're in freaking new mexico like yeah here we are and there were two of us and you know on the last day there were seven of us and the whole thing started with just trying to ride seven miles because so many of us were like you know didn't have a bicycle when this started we're totally new to biking like all that um so it started with just riding seven miles and then the next thing we know like we've got you know, a thousand miles or Damon had more than a thousand miles, you know, under our belt and we're at the end and there's all these people who are suddenly like made stronger by this whole experience. And there's, you know, day by day, you're kind of watching the GoFundMe tick up little and little and little, and then you get to the end and you're like, you know, we have over $10,000 all of a sudden, like, whoa, like, uh, and I think that was kind of like, the magic of it is there's no one quantum leap, but you look back at the whole thing and the whole thing was a quantum leap. And I, that's kind of really what I, what I got from it is like, I couldn't discern any particular breakthrough, but I look back at those whole two weeks and they themselves were, were a breakthrough. Hmm. That's yeah. That's something positive. <laughs> like, thanks for making this day bearable. <laughs> <laughs> so, many, so many unbearable things going on. Um, I think one of my one of my questions early on when I was talking to you was like, I'm not going to assume that you're going to like this sport uh, because you're a professional skier. Which I mean, you're hiking up mountains, so maybe you're already built for you know the mentality that it takes. But um, it, I don't know. I don't think road biking or gravel if you did some gravel necessarily has the level of thrill that you know the winter sports do um but i i wanted to ask at the end of it i remember at the beginning of it thinking i wonder if he's going to come away with this deciding for himself that he likes this or doesn't or are you ambivalent or like you know what did you think about yeah i mean i just basically did any something as hard as any cyclist and you've kind of experienced like this huge sampling of the sport i don't know who you're like all right, that's good. I've had enough. I'm going to go back to skiing. Are you like, no, I want another kind of challenge, another kind of adventure. I want it more. Like, does it become a part of your life or is it, eh? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's something I think I'll definitely integrate moving forward. Like, I don't know that I'll ever be, uh, just like a straight up cyclist, but I really like the idea of like integrating the multi-sport adventures um and opening that kind of lane and doing it the way we did it like so much of it is just a grind uh but there's some particular moments like there was a day uh trying to remember what the names of the towns were we were riding to trinidad i believe from pueblo i think that's right and anyway the way we went was like on these gravel and dirt roads like through the area of like the spanish peaks and there's a wilderness area over there and i can't remember exactly like what it's all called but that day was like really all being in like open nature spaces um 
on gravel and in the mountains. And that day in particular, I was like really in the similar, like kind of flow state as, as a backcountry skiing day mm-hmm. where it was like, okay, like I got to grind up these things. But like, once I get to the top, like unleash the beast and let's like let it rip and go through here. And I think like, which is kind of impressive because it was a couple, I think it was only like two days removed or three days removed from that crash. Um, but that was a really magical feeling of just like finding that part within the sport where I'm like, Oh, okay. This is like the, what I would do it for. If that makes sense. Cause yeah, there's yeah. like a lot of it where you're like, okay, like if I came back and just like was biking just for the fun of it, is this how I would do it? And I'm like, no, like I'm probably not gonna just ride a hundred miles on one road across Wyoming all day. Probably not gonna do that part again. But there was a part of me that was like, yo, I would drive back down here on a weekend and camp and ride on these like dirt back roads and tear it up and like I, I think I remember on that day like it's ranch land out there and it's like pretty wide open. So like you ride around a corner and then there'd be like 50 cows like in a meadow and they see you like come ripping through on a bike and they take off and i was like i don't know there's just something like very uh wild west feeling about that moment i think i set my whole instagram story that day to the uh old town road song (laughs) because that was just the vibe of it and it just felt kind of otherworldly for me like being from a whole different realm of sport and so those parts of it like i'd love to get back to and that's the thing I find myself doing now is, um, you know, that bike obviously is a blast and where you put it, uh, I think is like the magic of how much fun it is. So that's the thing I find myself doing now. Uh, maybe not in the winter so much cause I'm kind of busy, but leading up to the season, the thing that I found myself doing is like, I'd go for like a 50 or 60 mile ride where I work in like road gravel and single track. And like the days where I get to do that is like, that's such a blast for me still. And I think like, if I, you know, if we create another route in the future, that that's something I want to make a point of is like mixing it up and finding those places where we can jump onto a different system of trails and like really just feel that feeling of like, being out there and traversing across like a large space of open land, I think is like, that's one of the most magical things for me that really clicked in the ride was like, just being able to feel like you covered so much ground. Um, and it's really cool when it's particular to like the gravel or the single track where it's like, it feels like no other way of experiencing that terrain would be quite as exhilarating where you're like, this is still like, human powered i'm very like connected to the experience i have you know i'm not like in a convertible car or something (laughs) but at the same time like you know you go so far and and that for me was like in skiing like it's a big day if i'm going 10 miles you know but to open up that realm of possibility and be like oh here's 60 miles on you know across the prairie like that's just such a different feeling to me that i've really like gotten addicted to is that feeling of like i went all the way over there i went all the way over there went all the way over there and then i came back home and like coming home and being like damn like i wouldn't usually drive my car that far in a week but i just did that all this morning on my bike and there were sick berms and turns and you know that bike's such a blast and just like i often find myself like you know passing mountain bikes on the single track and passing road bikes on the road and like having that ability to just like feel really comfortable in all those spaces became one of the things for me. That's really fun because at first in biking, like it was so new to me and being, you know, an indigenous person who was like, not, you know, the typical, uh, person in the sport, like it all felt uncomfortable, you know, and training in Boulder where I'm from, like everybody else is in like a Jersey and sweet gear. And I'm like in a basketball you know, t-shirt and shorts and all that. And so like finding that place of like, Oh, I'm good at this and this clicks and this is fun for me like that. Like that, that really changed it. And so that's something I see myself doing a lot more of and learning how to link that up in my adventures to 
you know, skiing as well, I, I think is something I like really look forward and to, and I've had some friends reach out about some, some bike to ski missions and things like that in the future, uh, really inspire me. My friend Cody Townsend just did a big one this summer, made a movie about it called the mountain Y, um, where he biked to do like a bunch of the volcanoes up in the Northwest. And I could definitely see myself doing something like that in the future. That'd be cool. And I think Brody who introduced us, um, yeah, he's also a bike to ski type dude sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. It'd be fun. I'd like to vicariously live out those adventures through you guys if you do them yeah hey, maybe that's next you 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 give me the tutorials on the biking as we go and then uh, i'll help you ski this stuff Fair enough. <laughs> it's just someone just asked uh, invited me back country skiing and i was like man i don't i don't have the gear i've I, maybe i felt like you felt like when uh i mean yeah when you were getting into the bike thing you're like but there's all the gear it's just like this wall yeah. of you got to get the right stuff and not have that yep. experience and so yeah i've uh but yeah i'll do it i mean i'll I, I i snowboard but i think i can get a split board and uh and is just promise my wife that the avalanches won't be a factor <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll take you in the spring it'll be good cool all right i will do it yeah. i will do it and that would be a huge turn the tables kind of blast like all right get him yeah. out of his element um yeah be fun um so I don't know. I don't know if I'm up for it. I guess I'm definitely up for a new experience, but I'm terrible at snow sports. But uh, I definitely had a question that kind of popped into my head. Um, I don't know. I've been percolating about this one for a little bit, and it kind of harkens back to, like, last episode. But I feel like, Connor, you touched on it a little bit with um, what you were kind of relaying, you know, of, like, where you'd want to ride and kind of interacting, you know, in different ways rather than just, like, blasting across one one long road um, for an entire state. Um, so I, I'll try and ask it, but I guess bear with me. I feel like I need to build up some context for you and, and probably the listeners of just like, what am I even thinking about here? But on episode five, um, you were kind of talking about like before going on some of these missions, you know, like, you know, skiing in the back country, you know, a big bike ride like this, you would, you'd greet the land as a relative. Like you're, you're kind of, you're acknowledging the space. Right. And, and uh-huh. so kind of recapping i was you know i re-listened to the podcast because i knew we were going to talk to you and i was i was talking to my wife and she's reading this book called uh braiding sweetgrass and she was listening oh, to the, i love that book yeah yeah and she was she's really fired up about it and she was listening to this podcast too and she's like wait there's like this total connection there um and and it was like i guess the the thing that she was referencing was about asking permission for harvest and kind of having like a mindful moment before harvesting something and sometimes sometimes i guess um you wouldn't like the, you didn't get permission to harvest something or you wouldn't harvest the first thing and and um i was kind of curious about like equating that into like the backcountry and um i guess because i kind of had like this experience and i don't know if i'm just like oh it was like a gut feeling or anything but i you know i guess i'm kind of curious like have you ever had a vibe where there was like, no, like the land, you know, like the land isn't ready to like welcome me or something. And I guess like my experience was, um, you know, this past summer, you know, Stephen and I and some other friends did this, this really big loop over the summer and, um, it was a great ride. Um, and then, you know, this text thread started up and, and it was like, let's rent fat bikes and let's do it in the winter. And, and I kind of just like imagined myself, like I had like this visualization. I was like, I remember what it was like in the summer and it felt really good. And I was really like, in some points I was like, wow, it's like this land, you know, it's like, I don't know where I am. It's really powerful. Like it, it looks like Colorado. Well, I'm physically in Colorado. It looks like Machu Picchu. I don't know. Like it just, it felt really good. And I was like, this is awesome. But then I was like taking that visualization and I was like, this is the winter. We're on fat bikes. This feels different. I was like, this just doesn't feel right. And I don't know if it was like a gut feeling. And I know there's been like a lot of avalanches this year, but I was like, is that also like me trying to like, like, no, the land saying, don't do it, you know, kind of thing of like visualizing myself like there and should I do it or not? So I guess like, I don't know, is that just, you know, did I have like a gut feeling or like, have you ever had that experience too, like in the back country, you know, especially this year with, with so many avalanches and where you're like, no, today's not the day. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely had that experience. Um, one particular time that comes to mind was last year. 
kind of right before like lockdown quarantine time um, in the Silverton area. And I was with a partner that I ski with a lot and we have a really good rapport. And uh, we'd been camping in this same zone out of like a mining cabin up there um, for a few days. And we kind of like skied everything that was like certified safe terrain if that makes sense um and we wanted to approach like this face that would kind of be like a test face for this 2000 foot coolar that was in the same basin that we were in and he and i like our mo for a long time was like we just go up into an alpine basin and we point out the baddest line in there and we ski that and that's what we do and that's how we operate um, and, and I love that way of operating. Uh, but on this particular day, like the storm was just starting to come in and something to me, like just didn't feel right. And I just couldn't explain. And so he wanted to go up on this pitch to dig a pit and test out the avalanche situation to see if we could get into the couloir. Um, and, I, I didn't even want to go and dig the pit and he was getting really frustrated with me. And he was like, dude, like we just need to like dig this and see if this is going to be skiable today or in the next couple of days. Like we just got to get up onto this aspect at this elevation and just see what it looks like up there. And otherwise we're just going to be stuck skiing the same stuff for the whole time we're on this trip. And he was a little sick of me because he's the videographer and I'm the skier and like, I'd just been like throwing myself off cliffs for like a week and that's not really his style of skiing. So he'd get to ski like something moderate while like we lined up me jumping off a cliff or anyway. So this was going to be something we could both really enjoy skiing. And we, I, I didn't even want to dig the test pit and he was really frustrated with me and we're leaving the area uh, where we wanted like the aspect that we wanted to dig the test pit on and we get on like this small little rollover that's kind of like a like a very miniature version of the same aspect that we were going to go check out uh, it's maybe only like 10 or 15 feet in length whereas the you know aspect we were going to check out and dig the pit on was probably more like 500 or 600 feet long and anyway we get on this little version of the same thing and as we walk across it the snowpack like collapsed and we were in like a very small avalanche but and it carried us at about 15 feet but we both had the knowledge to know holy shit like that's the exact same makeup and exact same slope angle and aspect and everything as the thing we were going to go climb up on to check out. And that moment for me was kind of like that. Oh, like this is why I unexplainably couldn't tell you why I didn't want to go up there. And it kind of just clicked for both of us in that moment. And he apologized to me later that day and was like, my bad dude. Like I was just over ambitious and I should have respected, you know, even though you didn't have a reason. Um, and I think that's a tricky thing to like, learn to not only trust your own gut but then to learn to trust your partner's gut about like i can't tell you why i feel bad about this but i just feel like this isn't good like that's a really hard thing to listen to in communication and in a lot of other relationships in our life like that probably wouldn't suffice but when it comes to these big adventures i, I think that's a really important thing to listen to is like i just have a bad feeling and i can't tell you why but I need you to listen to it. Um, and I, I think that takes like a special sort of respect and vulnerability to, to cultivate that level of communication. But in that moment, we were kind of reminded of that and how much bigger the consequences could have been. You know, uh, we were way out in the middle of nowhere. And if we'd been on an avalanche in that larger slope, it, you know, definitely could have been fatal for one or both of us. And that that moment of just the little one just totally falling apart and us just like falling this little way and landing right by each other and looking at each other and being like holy shit that could have been so much more massive 
it really allowed us to see like okay there's there's something to this like there's something about these landscapes that has an ability to communicate with us uh, across space and time and whatever and not to make it you know I, I try to avoid falling into the spiritual indian trope but like it's a thing, man. There's there's a there's a conscious quality to these places where we recreate and learning to to listen to them is, is a really valuable skill and it's definitely something that can come across like, you know, even six months ahead of time knowing like I don't want a fat bike there. That's not a place for that. Like it's maybe not all you that's telling you that, you know, like there's there's probably a side of you that knows you can do just about anything that you set your mind to, but there's something else out there telling you, maybe you probably shouldn't. Maybe this isn't about you and what you're capable of. And I think that's kind of the magic of learning to listen to the land. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, I was like, am I overthinking this or, you know, and I knew we kind of had a, a similar kind of conversation last time. So I was just kind of curious as like a follow up. Um, and I agree, yeah. you know, it's like, I mean, I've, I've certainly done my fair share of, of stupid things. And so I feel like if I did set my mind to it, I could, but yeah, I, I agree. There's kind of another side of me that in, in this case, I was like, I don't feel like I need to prove myself in that regard. And I do feel like it's more than, you know, that I want to stay warm on my couch and not, you know, do this adventure. There's, there's something else there. So yeah. yeah, I drove over the Continental Divide on uh, Monday, and you would not have made it. <laughs> I was actually thinking, "Oh, I'm I'm about I'm about up here where they would be." And I was like, what do they think they're going to do this on a fat bike? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here to validate your decision. Cool. Uh, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Well, cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, that's a good catch up. Yeah. I'm in a better mood than I started in. Um, nice. I want to, I want to find a practical way to stay up to date with, um, what you're doing with this on next steps. And obviously we can yeah. always talk offline, but I want people to be able to find it too. So at least by the time we post this, we can kind of gather some of that stuff. But if you know any automatic yeah. places, ways to follow, I think you should shout them out right now. Uh, so that people, you know, while they're engaged can be like, yep, I'm gonna go ahead and follow that. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I definitely would encourage people to follow Break the Bicycle on Instagram. Um, we're expanding that all the time and adding more stuff to that all the time. And uh, it's really an ongoing conversation, too, about mental health. Uh, as it's wintertime right now, we're not sharing a ton of bike content. And it, it tends to be more of like the deep dives and the talks about stuff. And so that's pretty cool. Um, I would also encourage people to follow natives outdoors, uh, you know, to see how this kind of stuff applies into a lot of different outdoor recreation and sports and, uh, follow myself as well. Um, sacred stoke on Instagram and yeah, uh, it's definitely something that's evolving and, you know, it's hard to know what anything is going to look like in 2021 but as soon as we know we'll be sure to share it with the world and you know see how we can muster up more support and make it bigger and better and more impactful for our community uh every year right on cool yeah thanks connor uh steven totally agree um i think putting putting something like this out into the world um feels a lot better than just stewing on what's happening in the nation right now when it's so tumultuous. So on, on a day like yeah. today, I feel, yeah, in a better headspace to have, to have talked to you and kind of just kind of put, put something good into the world. Cool. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, this is going to be a good year. Like it's <laughs> going to be so. a good year. It's going to be a good, I'm just saying it. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited. We'll, we'll keep up to date. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your road trip. Um, I hope you find a massive storm on the other end of what were you taking out there? I-70? How you getting there? Um, I'm on I-84, okay. I believe, yeah. at the moment. Yep, I-84. I'm almost there. Uh, I'll be to Boise in about an hour, I think. So, yeah. Cool. We all, I uh we did the shoot for this new bike uh last week and I was like, who would I love to shoot? And I was like, "Oh man, I got to call Connor." And then I was like, 
give me a break. That dude's skiing somewhere. Like, <laughs> and then we went up into the mountains uh, and struggle bust our way through some powdery conditions on our bikes, which was actually pretty fun. But I was like, if he was here right now, he'd be mad that he's not skiing. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I mean, you'd be like, where are you riding? I'd be riding back to the car to get my skis out. <laughs> right, right. Wrong season. Call me later. <laughs> Lose my number. Yeah. <laughs> I'm eager to work with you guys, but uh, yeah, not if it's snowing. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's fair. We'll, we'll 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 try and cross right in the middle at the end of the season. If you find a a, a ride too slope, I'll take you up on it and do it. Uh, yeah, let's. Otherwise, let's definitely in the warm weather. That out. Cool. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Thank you. I'm it was glad a pleasure. that. Uh, when history remembers this day, we'll say this was our contribution to it. That's a good one. All right. Have a good one. See you later, Connor. All right. Thanks. See you guys. See ya. Um, hold on. Yep. We need to shout out. Oh yeah. Our people. We've we've been terrible at acknowledging <laughs> the other people who make our podcast possible. We're such amateurs. And I mean that in a good way, not a criticism, Nick. Yeah. Uh, but, like, who's our mixer, producer, editor? Uh, Michael, huge, huge props. You've been, you've been mastering this this whole time. Um, at Michael Hopkins on Instagram, if you want to give him a, a follow. He's uh, our sound producer. And, and I agree, Stephen, we've, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing either. Also, Q. Uh, who, who wrote our rad intro song, uh, who's since moved to California, but he's, he's been in rodeo orbit for so long, uh, at slow high and, uh, we miss him. But, uh, every time we hear that track, we're thankful for him. Uh, he made that as soon as he found out we were making a podcast, he's like, I wrote your guys' song. So that is our song. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's it though. Those are the two people, two other people that are behind the scenes making the podcast happen. So yeah, big shout. I'd, I'd say shout out to you. Thanks for on a lark, buying all this equipment and, uh, <laughs> letting us do this. <laughs> well, I'm going to shout out to you for, uh, for like pushing me to do this today when I was in a terrible, I was just like terrible mood. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to try and like make something today. It's much easier to stew on a dour day, but, uh, fight that, fight that people. Um, we are, we are, uh, the sum of a, a million tiny decisions, uh, decide to do something rad instead of something negative. Yeah. I like that. Small decisions can, can snowball over time. Well, this one will keep, hopefully keep snowballing. All right. All right. Peace out. See ya.